you watched the Motor GP this morning? No, I haven't, to be honest. Man, what a what a race! Just from an emotional point of view. I'm happy we're not talking about it. To be honest, I need to watch it. <laughs> Such a I woke, I woke up this morning, right, six o'clock. Put it on straight away. The mm-hmm. the race, and then within okay, ten minutes of oh. watching it, Michael <laughs> comes up and and gives the results away, and I'm just like, <laughs> I yeah, wanted I to watch it live. That was pretty funny, though. To be honest, I forgot. That's that why I don't. When I watch the Formula One that way, I don't. I leave my phone in the bedroom. Yeah, but I was watching it on my phone as I was like ironing my clothes uh, and making fucking breakfast and shit like that. So I had it just like beside me, and then the notifications keep popping up. <laughs> um, but yeah, ready to go. You guys see Ricardo's new wine and and his decanter that he's released? No. So he's got his St. Hugo's wine, and he's this time he's released a special edition decanter. It's a racing boot, so you can fill up yeah. wine. <laughs> Will you be getting that for me, sir? Hell no. 700 bucks <laughs> for the decanter. He yeah. needs to get in the sim and stop worrying about wine. That's twice as much as your, um, your fog light, mate. Mate, tell me about it. In Saudi uh, Arabia. Yeah, mate, we got you. Yeah, how you going, mate? Nice and loud. All right, that's good. Um... Sorry, I bloody got a new laptop and didn't have Zoom. Bloody oh, put that on. I thought you could just do it on the website, but. I think you might have been able to do it in the past, but it's always good to know how your webcam works, mate, on the laptop anyway for those special nights. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Anyway, thanks, thanks for joining <laughs> us on the. Away. Oh, you might as well go there just as a nice breaker. But James Golding, <laughs> mate, thanks for, thanks for jumping on the podcast. Um, you're the last GRM driver to join us, um, but we're probably saved the best for last. So, how have you been, mate? Awesome, mate. Good as gold. Uh, good to be back doing a few races. Yep. Um, out of the COVID lifestyle. So, yeah, it's. What was COVID like for you? Um, just stuck at my place um, and just doing. Sim stuff really was probably the, the main thing I was doing. Yeah. Um, kept all the training up. I've got a home gym and stuff here. And also actually started a new business uh, making these go-kart parts. Oh, yeah. That's um, a cord. <clears throat> yeah, it's just a little seat adjustment system that allows you to move the seat easier pretty much. Um, so you can do it in between practices or qualifying, that- all that sort of stuff. Anthony's going to buy your product, mate. Look is at that him. what they've put on the um, – have they, haven't they put those now on, like, the new um, DPE carts or the Tony carts, the adjustable seat? Um, I don't think so. Nah, but actually DPE is going to be um, a sole distributor of our parts soon. Oh, wow. So and you came, that, first. you came up with that design yourself? Yeah. Uh, no, I shouldn't take all the credit for it because <laughs> it was actually my mechanic, cart mechanic, Johnny. He, um, a couple of years ago, because I've been racing KZ2 for the last couple of years and a couple of years ago, he thought my seat wasn't in the right spot and he thought, oh, we're just going to fish around trying to find the right spot. So he made up these brackets. Hmm. And when we went tested it, I actually won the last round at that same track, went there, tested it, moved it 15 mil, 15 mil? Uh, yeah, 15 mil uh, backwards and went like three tenths quicker wow. right away. <laughs> so, 15 anyway, mil, what a difference. Yeah. And um, it's sort of one of them things no one really changes because they just get the dimensions from the manufacturer and, you know, just bolt it in and yeah. leave it there. But everyone's different size, different driving style, different classes on different tyres and all that sort of stuff. You'd it's something you could really got to get right first and then build the rest of the cart around it. How much will they cost? Uh, they retail at a, uh, from 350 to 400 You found something Maybe that's where you spend his money on. Yeah. Might Maybe that's where you're going to find the time, Anthony. That's where I'm going to go from 17th to 15th, please. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> um, all right. Let's, uh, let's get into something proper. So, James, thanks for joining us again. Um, what we like doing on the pod apart from talking about racing is actually talking to some of the, I say young and upcoming, but you've been, you've been a pretty 
household name in Australian motorsport for the last half decade or so now. But just give us the, you know, your story into motorsport, um, kind of who your, you know, key factors that helped you, you know, move up the ranks and, and just your story um, to getting where you are today. Yep. Um, pretty much all started um, when I went to watch my cousin's race carts back in 2004, I think it was, three or four. And uh, I did have motorbikes up until that stage, but my old man asked if I wanted to get into it. So I bought a couple of carts, started racing. Um, then my sister started racing and we're all traveling around Victoria pretty much. Um, yeah. Dad pulled the pin, concentrated on me and my sister. And then soon after she pulled the pin and I basically kept going from there uh, into Formula Ford. Um and I pretty much dropped out of year 10 or the end of year 10. I just didn't really go back um, as I started Formula Ford and started to do a bit of work at the team I was racing with, which was Ballands. Mm. Um, started working there and I was pretty good mates with um, Scott McLaughlin just for, through karting. And I was, I was talking to him a little bit and I tried to get it get into GRM and see if I could start working there. And, um, yeah, the combination of Scotty and also my next-door neighbour's grandfather was best mates with Gary. So mm-hmm. those, those two things combined, um, yeah, got me in there and I started an apprenticeship working there as I was racing Formula Ford. And... Um, yeah, so fabric, then, fabrication? Uh, no, nah, mechanic. So, okay. yep. So, qualified um, mechanic now. And, yeah, Seems then got the opportunity to do Super 2 and pretty much all stemmed on from there, really. Um, was, but, was Scotty doing his apprenticeship at the same time when he was when you were talking to me about Yeah, it? he was. So, when I started mine, he was – I think it was in his last third or fourth year of his um, fitting and turning, I think it was. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, well, they're every day together working, so it's good fun. So you're going to get a, um, him to talk to Roger Penske about getting you a driving IndyCar sometime? <laughs> <laughs> I've asked him if it's going to work out the same way, but <laughs> I don't think it's quite as easy this time around. I think no, Davidson's so. getting a little bit long in the tooth, so maybe he'll drop off the um, drop off the radar for DJR and then you can push your way into there. Um, Happy to, mate. Happy to. <laughs> you just well, let him know. <laughs> well, let's segue then into into your supercar career. I mean, obviously, the first time I heard of you was in Super 2. It might have been through that. I think, did you run a Garth Tander tribute livery in Super 2 once? Um, I ran a... I run? I did run an old GRM livery, but I don't think it was Tander. A Tander one. Well, it must have been just an old livery because I remember that was the first time that I noticed you purely because of the name on the uh, on the door yeah and then i kind of did a little bit of not research but just stalking i just ended up <laughs> thinking i like this guy because it's got a sick helmet um which is oh. always a good which is always a good place to start but you go you work for grm you do super two have some success in there and make your way into the main game um just explain that whole situation to us and obviously you're in a you were in a pretty interesting position where you had some levels of success. You kind of looked like you were you were building a career in supercars and then it was all just like taken away from you, essentially, through no fault of your own. So what was that? Whole yeah, so um, for me, um, prior to Super 2, when I was in Formula Ford, we were sort of trying to work out what our plan was, where we were going to head. Um, actually, going to the US was pretty much the way we were leaning towards going over to race USF 2000 and oh, well. yeah. um, try and work up through into, into IndyCar through those four or three um, feeder categories. And um, it actually, we were leaning towards that way and we thought, look, if we go over and, you know, we win, you can get the scholarship thing and go up to the next mm. next category. Um, go over and go as well. We'll keep going. If it doesn't, we'll... We probably only had enough money to do one year, I reckon, and then 
that would have been it, come home. But before we actually got to attempt it, um, Gary offered to put me in Super 2 program for a couple of years with the plan of moving to main game. Um, so, sorry, but just to cut you off for a second, was was the reasoning behind that move just essentially because it was a category that you were interested in more or from a financial point of view, was it just more viable, the American um, route, as opposed to doing Super 2? Yeah, it pretty much was, yeah. I mean, it's not like it's a cheap thing to do, but hmm. still uh, with that scholarship thing, the opportunity to get a fair whack of the budget um, paid for and, and go to the next category each year. Uh, you win. Mm. That was pretty much my best option for becoming a professional driver. Um, but yeah, as I said, Gary sort of gave us the opportunity to go to Super Two and um, then progress through to Supercars, which which didn't quite go exactly to plan because it was actually twenty. Was that twenty nineteen? No, prior to that, so 2017, I was supposed to replace McLaughlin when he went to Penske. Um, that was actually in my contract to go to the <clears throat> the main game that year, but Garth Tan had become available and GRM didn't want to miss the opportunity of getting him back, so I had to hold my breath for a whole another year, which was probably the worst, <laughs> the worst thing. Who, who um, was his partner for the first year? Was it Wall or was it Moffat? Moffat. Moffat, okay. Yeah, Moffat. And um, anyway, we pressed on, did the Enduros with Garth and did a few wild cards, got the highest finishing position out of any wild card, um, then went into main game. Um you know, first year is always tough as a as a rookie going in, and really started to find my feet towards the end of the year. Obviously, the team wasn't super strong like they were when we had the Volvos. Um, but yeah, towards the end of that year, it was really tip for tat with me and Garth, and you know whether we were twelfth and eleventh or twentieth and twenty first, it was still tip for tat and how competitive I was against him towards the end of the year, I was pretty pretty happy with. Um, and then obviously all fresh for 2019 with Boost coming on board. Um, new uh, teammate, Richie Stanaway, which I really had a lot of fun driving with. He's an awesome dude and really skilled driver as well. And then it all sort of ended um, a bit unexpectedly. It was going to meant to go for another year with the boost deal and all the rest of it. Um, but it pretty much GRM decided to withdraw from supercars um, mainly because boosts were withdrawing. Um, Gary did sit me down and say, if you want to keep going, we'll run one car. Um probably with Valvoline and um, press on. And, and at, at that time, 2019, which we w- did really struggle, it was the time when GRM were building all the TCR cars and S5000 cars. Mm. And it pretty much was me and my race engineer working on the supercars, trying to find improvements and ways to go faster. And every everyone else in the workshop was working on TCR and S5000. Yeah. So it wasn't easy. Um, we probably held our grand relatively well considering, but I pretty much said to Gary, you know, unless there's going to be fundamental changes with engineering and all that sort of stuff, then there's not really much point continuing on. Um, and he said, fair enough. Well, we're not changing any of that because we're focused on doing these new categories. Um, so that's when I decided to try and go down a different route, um, get in a good team co-driving um, and try and work my way into a team that way rather than go to a bottom team 
race main game for a year or so and then you're still at the back and you're done sort of thing, nail in the coffin. So sorry, but, just to clarify, you, you're saying the year that you were with Boost in the Supercars Championship, most of the team already transferred to working on TCR and S5000, is that what you're saying? Yep. It was just, okay, okay, fair enough. Yep. And how, and how did you, and that was still your best year in terms of points in the championship, because um, you still, um, you still every year got better and better in points. So you're saying even though you went better in points, you were still running off like a, a major skeleton scarf for like that supercars team. Okay. Yeah, pretty much. Wow. I mean, we weren't, I mean, at the track and that, obviously it was all hands on deck, but in between rounds where, you know, say a team like Triple Eight's got eight engineers working full time, coming up with new parts for the cars and finding ways to go faster. And whereas we had me and my race engineer um, and everyone else was building TCR and S5000 cars, designing them. Um, and then to get to the point, okay, we've got to put the supercars together and we just ran the same mm. setups and all that sort of stuff. And there was no development anywhere. Was that yeah. a reason for Boost to leave? Um, I think, yes, it was. Um, so it it was lots of things that caused GRM to withdraw from supercars, but mm. at the same time, I don't really blame them. Um, it just got too expensive for what it is. problem with supercars, in my opinion, is that it costs too much to run um, for the year and the money that they get back from TV and sponsors isn't enough to cover the budget. Particularly yeah. sponsors, they're trying to sell signage on the car that's not worth that amount. Um, so it's teams, or which all the teams you would realise have got other sources of income, whether they run other race cars, um, do other um, engineering and those sorts of things. Obviously, Triple Eight make a lot of lot of different stuff. Um, mm. Yeah, so they've all got control division, I suppose. Yeah, hundred percent. So they've all got okay. something else to keep them keep them fueled. Um, but it's all comes down to because supercars isn't really a well oiled machine at the moment. What um? So, so what do, do you, you think a... of? Sorry, Gen Three in terms of. Fixing some of that problem, we're going to if we're here now. Um, I think from what I've heard, it's uh, going to be much better in terms of cost running the cars, but the cost to build the cars is going to be no different. Okay. So upfront getting going first year is going to be um, no different. And then again, yeah, they shouldn't take as much money to um, service and that sort of thing, but we don't know if they break it, do we? Okay. <laughs> That's an interesting point. So, so can I just um, double back on what you were saying before? Do you have like a ballpark figure for how much it costs? I love this whole idea because no one that isn't in the sport actually knows. Do you have a ballpark figure for how much it does cost to take a supercar racing? Yep, so um, to build a supercar is around $700, unless you buy it off Triple Eight. No, $700? $700,000. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. $700. Yeah, yeah. Are you guys going to race this year? Or? Yeah, I reckon. <laughs> it's, 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 it's half your seat clips, mate. It's half your seat clips. <laughs> um, $700,000 to build a car, and then a season, most teams um, – yeah, you'd be lucky to get through a season on 1.5 mil mm. um, uh, for a bottom team, and then the top teams would be spending four to five, I reckon, per car. Well, per car. What if you're a team like BJR that's smashing them every other weekend? <laughs> well, they're lucky because they've got a lot of cars. Um, they've got a lot of drivers in, say, Super 2 and that sort of thing that are paying... Mm. Yeah. Um, but it all would probably come out in the wash um, pretty evenly. I don't think that would be Making too a whole much lot. profit there. Yeah. Okay. That's very interesting. And then, and then just for comparison's sake, 
one of those drivers that's doing Super 2 and is being funded, you know, through their sponsors or whatever that might be, how much yep. would that, how, how much would a Super 2 season cost a uh, driver? Super 2s anywhere from four to 800, depending which team. Well, 800,000. Yep. Okay. For the whole year. Yep. Okay. That's seven rounds, I think. Seven or eight rounds. Yep. Okay. Yep. Very interesting. It's, I mean, the biggest expenses are still comes down to wages and um, accommodation and flights, really. Mm. Yeah. Personnel okay. is still the biggest, biggest expense out of all of it. That seems to be He's a good. common denominator amongst a lot of the people that we talk to. Um, do, you, um, do you work for GRM, James, or you just drive, race for them now? I uh, just race for them now, yeah. Okay. Just in yeah, the okay. S5000 and um, getting back on talking about how it ended it sort of for me it was difficult because i really did catch that break and got the opportunity with mm. grm to get in full time and be a professional driver and then when they pulled out of the sport it kind of left me in this zone where i had to find another way to get back in there and the more that i've gone on and well learnt. um the more it's relying on sponsors and that sort of thing. So I've had to work so hard at that when I've never really, I mean, I had a few smaller sponsors um, in Formula Ford and that sort of thing, but nothing major like a lot of the drivers are bringing now to the teams. Mm. Um, so I'm having to work hard on that when that sort of didn't really get me to this point. Um, it was because Gary picked me up on the way through that, led me to that point. So I'm having to try and fast track and learn all this other stuff to get back into where I think I belong. How hard is it coming through to, is it for a driver to source those sponsors? Cause you hear that people are struggling with it all the time. Yeah. It's, um, it's always difficult. Um, it's more difficult when, as I said, with supercars, the price that you've got to come up with the budget, that you've got to come up with, the TV exposure and all that sort of thing really doesn't give the value enough to charge that much. So that's where the difficult part is, and that's why the teams are relying on uh, drivers bringing sponsors through because they know the driver's sponsors are predominantly there for them um, and they're not too overly worried about the exposure and stuff they're going to get. They're more supporting that driver and they know that they can get a smaller space and get more money for it because I know they want that driver in there. Um, and that's how that fills up the gap um, in the, in the budget. So that's why a lot of teams are relying on that, but it's, it's across the board. It's all, all motorsport really. Some are healthier than others. Um, and that's pretty much the reason why GRM chose to get out of supercars, but they did say that they're not um, against coming back to supercars. It'll just have to be, the right time. The right circumstances. Yeah. So so now that you're the um reserve driver of the team eighteen for for Mark Winterbottom it was last year, right? How has it been working for um uh, in a totally new team environment, um, albeit only for one weekend, I think it was a year now. Well there was only one endurance race last year, right? Yeah, one endurance race since since COVID. Um yeah. which is pretty annoying. Um yeah. <laughs> missing out on sand get, down in Gold Coast. You just get two test days with them and then the the race weekend? Yeah, probably in the car four to five times to be honest. A few ride days yeah. thrown in there as well. Yeah. It's not too bad, but um just the one race, particularly like last year when me and Scotty had the power steer fail, mm. you know, yeah. one race a year, it's all over and you gotta wait a whole year again. So that was unfortunate. But yeah, really loving working with them there. Um Great bunch of people to be around. Everyone's really friendly and gets along well. There does happen to be a few people from GRM there now, so mm. um, that makes life a bit bit easier as well. But yeah, really enjoying it. Still working hard to try and get back in full time. Um, most of it is off the track, and with the one race a year, it doesn't really rely on that. Everyone knows uh, within supercars where I've been and what I've done. So it's it's about trying to get a deal together and be in the right place at the right time when something does become available. Um, 
a lot of yep. guys, you know, seem to pick up something, um, being in the right place at the right time. Might not come down to money, might not come down to sponsorship or skill. Um, yeah, once the door opens, if you're there ready to go, um, they're going to pick you. If you if you're all over the place, well, um, you know that everyone's sort of got someone within their team that they they would put in next or in the back of their mind. They're not going to just start ringing up people and, you know, go through the list. So it's about trying to cement your place somewhere. That's that's the way I've, I think it has to be done anyway. So when you were hearing that Scott Scott Pye and Triple Eight at Team 18 hadn't signed a new deal at the end of last year, <laughs> were you kind of ticking over a little bit? Uh, yeah, I was uh, just knocked on Charlie's front door a few times. Yeah. <laughs> what? Come on, you uh, guys for free. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, look, uh, it's um, it's certainly a place I'd like to drive full time. Um, Frosty's getting older now. He's possibly close to retiring. You'd hope. Um, yeah. But who knows? I mean, if I was him, I wouldn't. I'd like to be driving the new car next year, and he's still. Relatively competitive and, yeah, mm. I suppose. How close, um, on a realistic level, like since you did leave, were there any, like, opportunities that kind of opened up for you um, to get back into the main game and then it kind of just didn't end up working out in the end? Like, how close have you been? Um, I've been pretty close a couple of times. Um, and on multiple occasions... One was something I turned down in a team that I didn't think was going to be worthwhile. Um, in our last now, year, was it Team Sydney? Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> um, in our last year at GRM, where we were struggling, it it wasn't somewhere that I felt that I was progressing. Um, so being in that position. I just don't think it's worthwhile. I mean, that left me without a drive. So going to somewhere that's going to be the same things, just going to do the same, leave yeah. me somewhere without a drive. So I'm better off trying another avenue. Um, but yeah, the other ones I did come close uh, for this season. Um, but yeah, unfortunately come down to someone else having a little bit more money. Can I have another Sponsorship. guess? Hey? Can I have another guess? Yeah. Does it have anything to do with undies? Undies? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, potentially. Oh, mate, because if it did, he's been, anyway, he's been shocking for me this year. Anyway, all good. Um. Okay, um, so let's get... I have a question, I have a question. Yeah, um, I'll throw a question in, Joe. So we were talking to uh, Nathan Hearn a couple of weeks ago, and he was saying that he's racing in um, S5000, but the one thing S5000 doesn't give you is a super licence, but you've got that super licence. So I suppose for you, you can race in S5000 and you still can dabble in supercars well, well at the moment. That isn't an avenue for of the other blokes that's right is that right is that correct it was right but they've actually changed the rules and now there's no um i don't think there's a super license anymore it's just or maybe sorry it is super license but the point system's changed it's not as hard to get but you still have to have a nomination from a supercars team to say that okay. you're capable of driving, basically. Okay. Yeah. That's probably a good segue to move into the second or the, the last few years of your career now in, in S5000. And I think it's pretty clear and obvious to see that as far as from a fan's point of view, S5000 has definitely captured the heart of an imagination of, of the fans. So, you know, What is so good about that category from your point of view? Um, and then also particularly, how have you enjoyed um, 
the racing up front because I think there's no argument that the racing between yourself and Joey Mawson and even Aaron Cameron when he was racing in the Tasman series last year, it's top class. Yeah, it's um comes down to the cars. They're just a real raw race car. There's no driving aids, no power steering, you know, no ABS, no traction control, all that sort of stuff. And it's a big, heavy race car. It's not really a traditional open wheeler. It Obviously, on paper, it's an open wheeler and mm. looks like it from the outside, but driving it's not the traditional um, open wheeler driving style. It's a heavy race car. You've really got to slow it down. Um to make the apexes and it's on a harder tire compared to say supercars, for example. Um, but the area where they do find the speed in comparison to supercars is say one to 200 accelerations a lot faster because they are 500 kilos lighter. Um, but in terms of the slow speed corners, which is, would probably surprise a lot of people. The mid-corner speeds are actually pretty much identical to a supercar, no faster at all. Mm. It's all made up from 100 to 200 and obviously high-speed corners because we've got a fair bit more aero. Yeah. So, But, yeah. Sorry, keep going. So I was just thinking about, I mean, it's still a fairly short history, the history of S5000, but I think the first year or so that, it was introduced. There was a lot of young drivers that had come into the category from whatever it was, Australian at Formula 3, um, that were kind of filling up the grid. But I feel like that you see less really young drivers in the... I mean, obviously, you've got... Is it Nagatoa from New Zealand, Cooper yeah. Webster? But there's less really young drivers in the category. Is that purely, do you think, based on the fact that it is such a different driving style and it isn't essentially a kid's car? Just yeah, pair of them. I think so for sure. I mean, it's they've proven how difficult they are to drive. Um, we'll drive fast anyway. Um, mm. by so many incidences and people coming off the track and and um, yeah, they're a beast of a car, which is which is why it's not for the faint-hearted. Um, a lot of these young guys are coming in, and it's a pretty big step from anything they've ever driven before but I think that's why also I've taken to it pretty well is because of the way you got to handle it um, being a heavy race car it's very similar to a supercar um, mm. in many ways and on the other hand the open wheel side of it will I only did Formula Ford open wheels um, which have zero aero um and that hasn't sort of held me back by any means. And obviously, Joey Mawson, he's come from complete open wheeler background. He um, picked it up pretty quickly. Yeah. So the other guys, to be honest, Cooper Webster's done really well. I think um, he's been pretty impressive with how he's picked it up, but he's just slowly progressed more and more um, as the race has gone on. He hasn't tried to get to the front in one race. Um, which is a key thing, whereas I think a couple of guys have come in and tried to do that and hasn't worked, and that's why they haven't lasted. Mm. So I, I guess the, probably the next question that I would ask is this. I mean, fans love S5000. Like, I mean, the people that talk about it, like we've had Mawson on, we've had Hearn on who's raced it, we've had Cameron on who's raced it, we've had you on, all say how, how awesome it is. Do you reckon that, or why do you think it's struggled relatively to build its grid um, because at the front like I said the racing is so good yeah uh, for me I think it's it's because of the category in a way that it's it's its own path I guess you'd, you'd say it doesn't really have a set place um, mm. in terms of where you want to end up I think it's actually a very good platform for supercars. Um, you know, if you can drive an S5000, you can drive a supercar. No worries at all. I get in the supercar and it's, um, yeah, it's like getting in a limo. 
Yeah, it's okay. um, yeah, much easier to drive. Just in terms of the margin for errors, a lot bigger. Um, whereas in the S five thousand, it's it's pretty small. You got to really know for sure what you can do in it. Um, you never go through a corner and think, oh, I'll give it a bit more throttle, unless mm. you know you can get away with it. Yeah. Whereas in yeah. a supercar, you can probably squeeze it a bit have a slide and keep going, whereas the S5000 will be all over before you know it. Do you think it'll um, become a legitimate pathway to supercars? Hopefully I can legitimise it by getting back into supercars. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> no. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, Thomas Randall, he raced S5000 yeah, in right. supercars now. Yeah, that's right. Um. Yeah, I think it it's, hasn't really had a proper chance yet and it does need more cars on the grid to give it um, the proper exposure and chance to show really that it is Mate. important and actually does lead to other categories. And that's the reason I think why it probably hasn't picked up is because all these young drivers coming up, they want to be in something that gets them to where they want to end up. They don't want to just race something because... They're the best cars. Let's race that, and then then what? You know, everyone wants to become a professional at the end of the day. Um, myself, obviously, I built the professionalism through supercars, which I've still got now, racing S five thousand. Um, but the other young guys, they they need to be in a hot as higher profile category as they can to make money. It's probably. I suppose, okay. one, I suppose one thing with um when you're wishing for bigger. Huh? I like. You, I can't get a word in there if I don't cut you off, mate. You just keep rambling. Um, <laughs> just go. Well, the next logical question is yada yada yada. I suppose one thing you have to think about when it talk, when you're talking about building the grid though is that you don't want to build a grid and then like you want the right people in there, like um, good drivers, not people who are going to crash. But I think one thing that like the 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 TCRs this year and even the um sort of the Transams who you you ran with. Um, run with now like we've seen this year especially is um, the racing can be hampered when there's a lot of sort of incidents on track and it doesn't really showcase the category in the best light um, so not in the best light but just makes it look a little bit you know um, it, I don't know, what do you call it amateurish yeah so like so you'd sort of if you there's one thing in wishing in for bigger grids you wouldn't want to go to the extent like we're going to take extra seven cars on and then you're going to lose running because there's more yellow flags or just the wrong people in those cars. I suppose that's like sort of the juggle with it, especially with the cow. You're saying how um, finally you have to drive them because, you know, they're, um, they'll spit you out real quick. Yeah, no, you're, you're spot on there. Um, it's important to get drivers that are, are capable um, because... As soon as you get one that isn't, yeah, we spend more time under red flag and safety car than we do doing flying laps. So it's it's that's the other probably hard thing as well. The young guys that would jump at another category aren't all sort of capable of doing it, yeah. which is another reason why the numbers probably aren't quite there. But I, I think, I mean, I still believe it's gonna it's gonna go well. It just it really needs probably another five or so competitive cars. Um, you know, if you, if you have fourteen cars every round consistently, um, with you know ten of them being pretty competitive, some maybe slightly off the pace, but it's still going to be much healthier. And as long as yeah, you do get drivers that are capable, and you're not losing racing laps which we have seen a lot of times but yeah they're, they're incidences that possibly could have been avoided but their cars are so hard to drive that you know I've, I've been off the track in one there's not anyone that hasn't had a moment in them that's just because of how hard they are to drive so yeah I mean someone like Cooper is a perfect example he's a young guy that's come in hasn't done anything stupid and just slowly step by step worked his way up and that's think, what the other guys need to be doing i think he's driven within himself a bit too which is probably very prudent i, I think what you said 
just before about S5000 not really getting the chance to show how good it is. It's, it's a really good one. I mean, in a, in a weird way, it was probably two days away from actually having the chance to highlight the world back when the Australian Grand Prix was supposed to take place two years ago. We had a number of you know, international drivers coming in for the event as well. And it kind of looked like it was going to be, you know, an awesome category at the Grand Prix two years ago. And realistically, this is probably the first chance that it's had again to really showcase itself at like a, a premier event. And I mean, obviously today there was news that um, Aaron Cameron's racing again. I think Bhagwan has got a car. Um, racing at, at, at the um, Grand Prix as well. So how optimistic are you about the category, particularly having the chance and optics to race at the Grand Prix again? Oh, I think it'll be awesome and probably better again than when it had the first opportunity that got mm. um, cut short. Uh, that From what I hear, this is going to be the biggest um, Melbourne Grand Prix that they've had in the last 20 years um, to be racing as part of it. It's probably going to be the biggest event that I've raced at other than Bathurst 1000, which I'd assume wouldn't have as many people as what they will be this weekend. So, yeah, I'm just going to try and enjoy it. And, yeah, I think it will be really good for the category. And um, hopefully we can have some clean racing and put on a good show and get some more um, fans and drivers on board. Actually, there... excited to see them live again because we saw them at Sydney Motorsport Park. We came last year and watched you guys. I'm I'm going down to Melbourne. I actually can't wait for these to watch the S5000. So it should, should be good. good. They're fun as hell to watch. Like they mm. must be insane to drive. But even just watching them going through that first corner at, at Eastern Creek last year, I mean, bloody hell! You got to have some balls to drive those things. I reckon, like some serious balls. Mm. Um, all right, but so let's let's think. Just have. It's not a reflection, but think about, you know, your career moving forward. Obviously, the immediate future is S5000. Realistically speaking, um, and talking, like obviously you've spoken about the financial side of supercars and, you know, the difficulty that comes with collecting the funds and things like that. When do you think is is going to be your next, I don't know, realistic step to kind of push for another seat in the category? Is there anything opening up next year considering that? kind of everyone's staying status quo for, for Gen 3. He's going um, to be racing for um, Boost Mobile Racing because they're going to need new drivers next year, I think. <laughs> no, they're going pretty good, actually. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I'm putting 110% in to getting back on the grid just like I have the last two years. Mm. But, um, yeah, you just, it's really about getting the right place at the right time and all those other things off the track, the sponsorship stuff, the more you can do there, the harder you can work, um, the easier it's going to make it. And, you know, people can look at it from the outside and, you know, he's bringing this sponsorship and he's not bringing as much or whatever. But at the end of the day, whether the team finds a sponsor or the driver finds a sponsor, someone's got to find it. Otherwise, no one's going anywhere. Um, and back in the day, it was fortunate that it was healthy enough that the teams got all the big sponsors on and they picked which driver they wanted and paid them a really good wage. Um, there might be a small few teams that still do that now, but majority, it's not the case. But yeah. there's still people making good money and remaining professionals in a in a sport that needs to be a professional sport. So, yeah, back to your question. I sort of went off the path a bit there. But, yeah, I'm, I'm just really continuing on with what I'm doing now and staying as sharp as I can so that when the opportunity does come about, that I'm ready to go. And I think with Gen 3 coming in, that's a, another awesome opportunity for me to show what I can do with a sort of, Clean slate, new car, everyone's even. Um, you know, everyone's be- got the same cars. There's no discrepancies between engines and, um, you know, holding to holding mm-hmm. now. They've got different front-end suspensions. They've got different roll-bar systems. They've got different intake manifolds, and they're both Holdens. Yeah. So all that stuff will 
be thrown out the window and it'll become a lot closer to a one-mate category. Um, you still have your forward and holder, but they'll all be identical. And, yeah, it'd be really good to get into that. That's what I'm aiming for and, and working towards. Well, first off, you sound like you are subliminally asking for cigarette sponsorship to come back into the sport because um, that's when there was plenty of cash flowing around. <laughs> um, I've got a question for you, actually. Um, I didn't realise, I, I, looking back on, I suppose, how young you were when you actually entered the sport. I, I was watching, I watched the, um, the um, video of your crash at Sandown and I, how old were you then, like 18 or something, 17, 18 back then? No, I was... Were well, you just a very young-looking fella? Actually, I think, uh, yeah, I was 19 then. You were yeah. 19. What is it like yeah. for a 19-year-old to have such an impact? That is a, a massive crash. And then I think, did you have the crash at Bathurst the same year up the top? Yeah, I did. Yeah. What is it like for a 19-year-old to go through, you know, like big high impact crashes like that? Um, I mean, I suppose it's not... The, to the be honest, it's probably more life. more going through the emotional side of, you know, being at those big events and having things go wrong is probably a bigger thing to go through than the actual crash itself. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I mean, they, the cars are pretty safe now. Particularly supercars, you um got the roll cage and windscreen and stuff. S five thousand obviously got the halo and that, which makes them nice and safe. But you're still exposed at the end of the day when you're doing three hundred or whatever. Things can go wrong, so it's all part of the job. Is, a, is a is an event like last year's Bathurst when um where your sort of event is over before it really begins more painful? because um, you never even really had a chance to sort of showcase yourself? Yeah, it, it was. Um, but I was lucky that I got to race S5000 the same weekend Yeah, and okay. won that. But, um, yeah, it's, it's a pain in the bum because, you know, it's, it's the race that stops the nation, isn't it? It's the one we Literally. all wait for every year. And, um, yeah. Um, you could look at it one one positive. At least it didn't happen on the last lap, and we were going for a podium or something. <laughs> but that's about the only positive, I reckon. The crazy, the crazy thing about it, particularly like you look at like Lee Holdsworth, right? And he was obviously doing TCR and had a great Bathurst race, and because it's only the one race that you guys get to showcase yourself, that that literally got him a seat this year. And yep. and for someone that's like pushing, trying to stay relevant, to have it like taken away from you before you even get the chance. And you guys looked pretty competitive as well before that. So to not even have the chance must be absolutely like gut wrenching. And it's something that's completely out of your control. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's disappointing. And yeah, that is a perfect example of being in the right place at the right time. And it works out and off you go. Um, Least fortunate enough to be, have been racing in supercars for a long time, so he's pretty experienced. But yeah, it just goes to show you just keep pushing and never give up. He probably dropped out of supercars when um, he didn't really deserve to either. But mm. yeah, he didn't give up, and that's why he's back in there. So that's what I'm trying to do. Probably hoped that he had a car that was a second a lap faster too. <laughs> <laughs> I suppose um, even like. Your um, t- last teammate in supercars, uh, Richie Stanaway, sort of his um, old Tickford move got solidified after the, after their um, victory at Sandown, and he, he had a pretty good showing at Bathurst as well. So it's you know there's been a few drivers in the last sort of couple of years who have definitely made a push uh, for a full time seat through the enduro um, what is it season. I suppose now the thing is there's only one race, not three, where you can sort of build up some momentum which probably hurts you more. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it makes it hard. Um, but as I said before, you know, it's... Unfortunately, it is more off the track now. And, and uh, yeah, you got to... you got to still do a good job at Bathurst. But, 
if you don't have something sorted by the time you get to Bathurst for the following year, it's probably not going to happen anyway. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Just, just to finish, are you racing the whole um, Australian Karting Championship this year? Yep. Yep, the whole one. So I'm currently sitting second in the championship behind Josh Fife. Is that and why is that you didn't just... enter F? You saw, Pardon? Uh, is that why you didn't enter? Because you saw James was racing, you thought yeah, I can't do yeah, you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Shut up, you idiot. <laughs> Shut up, you idiot. It's because you um, don't have your seat adjuster. Pardon? If you get his seat adjuster, then you can, you'll be able to race against him. Oh, you know, so, you, remember that, you remember that race we did at Lithgow two years ago when my seat broke underneath me? Yeah. We put that, that bodgy one up really quickly. That seat adjuster would have been useful then. But anyway, I digress. Um, James, thanks so much for your time tonight, mate. And we wish you the best of luck, obviously, for the, for the Grand Prix this coming weekend, obviously for the season ahead, and then more importantly, moving forward, you know, as you push for another um, seat in supercars. I mean, it, you know, we're really grateful to have people like you come on the pod, share your story. I mean, we're, we're pretty much nobodies. So for you to spend an hour of your time, you know, shooting the shit with us is really appreciated and we just, you know, wish you all the best of luck moving forward. So thanks for your time, mate. Oh, thanks boys. Really enjoyed it. Um, yeah. Happy to jump on anytime. You guys are the ones that are putting our sports out there in, in front of everyone or in their ears. So appreciate what you guys do and forward to seeing you at track soon. Cheers, buddy. Thank you very much. If you, much, need, thanks, a, if you need a platform to plug your seat adjusters, just let us know as well. <laughs> fastadjusters.com.au cheers there you go good to hear alright mate thanks so much for your time cheers boys have a great night thanks James cheers buddy cheers buddy